Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I'd like to thank you for joining me today for the Broken Vessels podcast. This is episode 10, and this is a podcast that I've really been looking forward to uh, discussing this topic. Um, We had a guest on, the very first guest that I had on, uh, I believe it was episode 3 and 4, And my uh, guest at that time was Jeffrey S. White, who has been in gospel ministry since 1986, over 36 years. He's been in various pastoral and denominational and church planning roles, and he's also served in clinical settings as both a hospital and a hospice chaplain. And since 2018, he has been the founder and president of Divine Initiative which is a global counseling ministry that focuses on helping those who have experienced or are experiencing spiritual abuse as well as religious trauma syndrome. Brother Jeff, we are so thankful that you're back here on the Broken Vessels podcast to be able to share with us about the topic of spiritual abuse. Well, well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed my first go on the podcast when you were first started it up. I just hope this will be a blessing to God's people and, and will be a source of healing for them and a preventative in their life to keep them from being spiritually abused if they haven't been yet. And I just hope God uses it for the furtherance of his kingdom and his glory. I certainly believe that it will be very eye-opening uh, for people. Just a real quick little story <laughs> that I think you'll find interesting. Um, and I think that okay. this is probably pretty common with a lot of people in the church. And in fact, I think you kind of touched on it in the last time you were with us, that sometimes people don't even realize they're being spiritually abused. They, they, right. they just don't know what, they don't know what it is. They, they don't understand. So I have a friend and uh, when he heard you talking the last time that you were on and, and he was like, what's spiritual abuse? What do you mean by that? I, you know, tried to explain it to him. And then it was interesting because then he went through basically a situation, actually two different situations where he and his wife were spiritually abused. And after he went through that, he was like, I get it now. You know, it's like he, he understood uh, what spiritual abuse was like. He could recognize it. And so, unfortunately, sometimes we have to go through it to be able to understand what it is. And uh, he was he was really interested, you know, when it piqued his interest when I told him, you know, we were going to do an episode on spiritual abuse. This is way, way back when we were talking about it. Again, I think this is going to be something that can be very beneficial to our listeners and to the body of Christ. And so, brother, um, just to kind of start off, you know, the word abuse gets thrown around a lot. I think the word abuse can be abused <laughs> in many ways. Absolutely. 
I think it is important for us to be honest that this is a real thing. Um, it's not just uh, virtue signaling or, um, you know, making excuses or anything like that. It, it's a real, real thing that affects people um, emotionally, mentally, and particularly spiritually. So, brother, I'd like to ask you to go ahead and just kind of speak on what your definition of spiritual abuse is and maybe give like some general examples of what that looks like. Right. Well, I think, you know, you've said a number of things there that are worth uh, addressing. Uh, I think, first of all, you are so correct that many people experience spiritual abuse and don't even realize they're being abused. If uh, your listeners are interested, I'd highly recommend that they read Wade Mullins' book. It's entitled Something Isn't Right. And that is a great title for that book. He does a great job in the book because Wade had experienced spiritual abuse in a church where he was, an, I think he was an assistant pastor. People are sitting there in the church and they're just saying to themselves, you know, something doesn't seem right, but they can't put their finger on it. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to label it. They don't know what hook to hang that on, you know. They know something isn't okay, but they're not sure how to sort it out. And so a lot of times people are being spiritually abused, and it takes them a period of time to come to grips with what it really is. And usually by then, they've left a church, and even then they may not know what what to call it. They leave, and they're not just hurt. They are traumatized. There is a difference. Right. And... uh, and I may have said that on the last podcast. I don't remember. I talked to a lot of people, but you know, if, if someone hauls off and hits you as hard as they can in the arm and it leaves a huge knot and a big bruise, that hurts. Mm-hmm. But if something comes along and rips your arm off your body, that's trauma. Right. And so a lot of people are hurt in churches, but a lot of people are traumatized and it takes decades and maybe their entire life. The wound is there. So. Uh, the other day, I was on Facebook and was, you know, ans- responding to a particular article that mentioned some things, and I, I alluded to spiritual abuse. And this one gentleman wanted to argue with me that there's no such thing as spiritual abuse. That's just something that snowflakes have made up. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, I mean, I could tell, you know, he was so close-minded to considering it. His main argument was, well, you don't find that phrase in the Bible, to which I responded, yeah, you don't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but that doesn't mean the concept or the idea isn't there. That's right. The concept of spiritual abuse is everywhere. It's all throughout the Old Testament, especially like in Ezekiel 34, when God talks about the wicked shepherds that hurt the sheep. So it is a concept that is in the scriptures. We may have come up with the phrase spiritual abuse to describe it, but we do that with other theological concepts as well. Yeah, definitely. And, it's a uh, category. That's right. That's right. We're putting into into terms we can try to grapple with it and understand it. You know, this particular gentleman, I, I, I basically left him. I didn't continue to argue with him or anything. I just tried to help him. I just basically said, well, I hope, you know, I'm sorry you don't believe in it, and I sure hope that you never experienced it or someone you love dearly experienced it because it's horrible to go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some people out there who write in this field who I, I think may be correct when they say it is the worst form of abuse mm-hmm. because it strikes a blow fi- foundationally at your core being as a human being made in the image of God. Yeah, I'm not at all 
when I say that, I'm not at all diminishing the reality or the pain of sexual abuse or physical abuse, uh, that kind of thing. Because there, the, you know, one could argue that in a lot of cases before sexual abuse or physical abuse happened in a church, there was spiritual abuse going on. It's often a prelude to other types of abuse. Oh, certainly. And yes. So I'm not at all trying to minimize those. Those are very serious and hurtful matters. And so, but you ask a good question, you know, what is spiritual abuse? And I happen to be working on a book right now that deals with the issue. And in that book, I catalog a number of definitions of it from key leaders, key theologians, people like that. But one of the best ones that I really like comes from Dr. David Murray, and he was uh, for some time the historical and practical theology professor at Puritan Reform Seminary in Grand Rapids. Okay. He now is a pastor at a Presbyterian church, a PCA church, but I really like David a lot. And, you know, he says that his simple definition of spiritual abuse is that spiritual abuse is a sinful use of spiritual authority by Christian leaders to promote protect or enrich a person or a Christian institution, regardless of the spiritual damage done to innocent parties in the cause of Christ. Hmm. I think that's an excellent definition of it. And also, you know, another person that I think gives a very helpful definition of it is uh, Dr. Michael Kruger. And I don't know if, if your listeners are familiar with him. Michael is uh, one of the presidents at Reform Seminary. And if you want to read, and this is a little footnote, if you are interested in matters related to the canon, the New Testament canon, Michael is one of the best Hmm. to listen to on him, on that subject, on the canon of Scripture. But uh, recently, he has come out with a book on spiritual abuse. You know, he uh, talks about how that spiritual abuse involves a person in a position of authority misusing that authority. That's what they do. He has correctly uh, identified it as that spiritual abuse is when a spiritual leader, such as a pastor, an elder, head of a Christian organization, wields his position of spiritual authority in such a way that he manipulates, domineers, bullies, and intimidates those under him as a means of accomplishing what he takes to be biblical and or spiritual goals. That is part of the problem. Some of these spiritual abusers are very sincere. Right. They believe that they're just being biblical, mm. but they have misused Scripture. And so I guess what I would add to those two definitions is that when it comes to spiritual abuse, it almost always involves manipulation of a person mm-hmm. by an authority figure. It almost always involves an attempt to control a person in a way that they should not, that Mm -hmm. goes beyond what Scripture allows. It almost always involves an incorrect use of Scripture to rationalize and justify the abuse, such as in misinterpreting and or misapplying Scripture. Yeah, it's it, that, that's really interesting that you say that because I, I just listened to a really good podcast episode on the subject of biblicism. And uh, we, haven't, yes, that's right. we, we haven't really talked about that on our podcast yet. I mean, we've maybe like hinted at it in different episodes, but uh, for our listeners, what biblicism is, 
And sometimes when people hear the word biblicism, they think, oh, well, that sounds good. We should all be biblicists, you know, because that's right. we should just believe the Bible. But really, biblicism is not a good thing. It's a taking uh, scripture and misapplying it and misinterpreting it or cherry picking it, um, taking it out of its context. And, and, and I, I really agree with you on this, Jeff. Like, that's what these uh, leaders do. They, they take scripture, and I, I think you're right. They are completely sincere in what they're doing. They feel like they're fighting the good fight of faith, you know, or. Absolutely. And they're taking scripture and they're putting things kind of like what the Pharisees did to the people. And Jesus called them out on it that they keep on laying burdens on these people that are too mm-hmm. heavy for them to carry. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And that yeah, it, no, you're totally you're totally right. Yeah, and that that is literally spiritual abuse. It's it's you know, and and like you said, it's manipulation, it's control. Um I I was thinking <laughs> while you were talking about these definitions and I just, you know, had talked about my friends uh that had just recently gone through it. I mean, you were literally explaining um what they just went through. Uh, where church leaders came to them and told them, you must do A, B, C, or D. I'm not going to get into the details. Right. And if you do not do this, then you are in sin. And Absolutely. Every, That's what they say, yeah. Everything that they were telling them that they had to do was completely extra biblical. It, it was, uh-huh. it was yep. taking little ver- a verse here, a verse there, shaking it up, and saying – uh, this is Bible. This is what God commands. You must do this. Uh-huh. And it was completely what we would term neonomianism, making new law. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They incorrectly use scripture through misinterpreting it and or misapplying it. Now in, now you believe it or not in liberal churches, you can have spiritual abuse. It's a lot less common, but right. you can have it. And usually that involves misinterpreting scripture but in more legalistic, ultra-conservative churches, uh, it is usually in the form of misapplication of Scripture, where that they just take things too radically too far. Mm-hmm. There's also usually, besides the incorrect use of Scripture, there's almost always the incorrect use of pastoral authority. And even in the home, there can be incorrect uses of, the, of a spouse's authority or even parental authority. I was talking this week with a nurse at the hospital where I work, and um, she was sharing with me how that her and her siblings, she has about seven to nine siblings, were raised in an ultra-strict, fundamentalist home, and they now, as adults, all that, I feel like they were spiritually abused by the parents. It can happen. It, all, it involves the incorrect use of authority, and often, now today, the incorrect use of church discipline. Yeah, And so you do have this, and you made a good point just uh, a minute ago about biblicism or biblicist, you know, and if you'll indulge me for just a minute to get a little tangential here. Sure. Liberals, for the most part, the majority, do not like to be called liberals. It has a negative connotation. Now, some don't mind it. A minority don't. They're proud of it. But most of them don't want to be called liberals. They want to be called progressives. Right. Because that's a better term. It sounds better. It sounds positive. It sounds intellectual. It sounds like we're on the cutting edge. We're all for positive advancement. So they prefer that term. 
The same thing is true here when it comes to fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. Most fundamentalists, now there's a few that like the term, they're proud of it, but most fundamentalists don't like to be called fundamentalists because they know the negative connotation associated with it, especially since the term over the last 30 years has been associated with Islamic fundamentalism. They, they want to avoid, it has a negative connotation. So what did they do? Well, if you go back in the literature and you begin to look at it, starting in about 1970, the term biblicist began to be used instead of the term fundamentalist. Mm. And so all that a biblicist is, usually, is a fundamentalist who isn't King James only. <laughs> and so what happens is, the biblicist is, you can always spot them by how strict and rigid and radical and extreme their applications of Scripture are. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it ends up becoming abusive, is it has a lack of grace and redemption in it. Even though they may talk about the gospel, it becomes very cult-like. And uh, I, I, you know, we used to think that cults, just you had to have an aberrant soteriology, that you had to have a, a wrong, messed up view of salvation. In fact, when I was a, a young person, I was taught by my spiritual leaders that <clears throat> you could always tell a cult from four di- from one of four different things. Okay, you could use the add, subtract, multiply, divide template. They add to the Bible. Okay, they add to the revelation of God, for example, like Watchtower or the Book of Mormon or Pearl of Great Price or whatever. You, you know, you get the point. Or they subtract from the person and work of Christ, the person and work of God. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses is basically the heresy known as Arianism. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's an old heresy just repackaged in a new way in modern times. So you have, they subtract from the Trinity or subtract from God, theology proper, from God the Father. They subtract from Christology or pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And then you can know it by the divide, by the multiply. They usually multiply the requirements for someone to be considered a Christian, to be really saved, okay? Like adding works to the gospel. And then, then they divide. They usually divide loyalties. They have this hyper-literalism so that they take passages like where Jesus says, you got to love me more than your father, mother, and brother, and sister. And they will often divide you from your family and friends to isolate you. Well, I have come to realize, and I think other people have too, that today we have some evangelical cults. Oh, yeah. And... And, and what they're adding may not be a book of the Bible, but what they are adding is they have raised the subjective opinion and the extra biblical counsel and advice of a pastor to the level of being equal in authority with Scripture, such that if you disobey that pastor's extra biblical advice and counsel, or you go against what his opinion is of what you should do, you are declared uh, by pastoral fiat to be in sin and therefore worthy to be disciplined. Oh, yeah. I heard the—that's cultic. That -hmm. is very cultic. I heard the other day about a situation. I was doing some counseling. There's a man and a woman who had a baby. They breastfed their baby in agreement for six months, and because the pastor wanted them to stop breastfeeding the child— he ended up disciplining the man and woman because he said, you're being rebellious to my authority. Oh, my goodness. That is abuse. Whew. And it has traumatized that couple. They're now out of the church. 
not everybody who leaves the church is First John two nineteen that we went out from us that they you know might be revealed they're not of us. First of all, when John wrote that, he was talking about the Gnostic heretics, the kind of people who denied the humanity of Christ and stuff. He right. wasn't talking about people leaving a church because they they've been abused. Yeah, exactly. Okay? So uh, there are there's a whole mission field of people outside of the church that have not just been hurt, they have been traumatized severely by church leaders who did not know what they were doing, but thought they did. Mm, man, and, that um, just breaks my so heart we, to hear that. That's why, you know, God comes down so heavy on the shepherds in Ezekiel 34, because God's heart is for the people who have been abused. Mm-hmm. He's the one that goes and helps the broken reed. He's the gentle and lowly Savior. If we're going to have a ministry like Jesus, we've got to begin to realize the church is not for perfect people. It's not even for people that are almost perfect or or rarely ever sin. It's for people that are broken and wounded. They recognize their need of a Savior. They realize they're a sinner, that Jesus is the only way they can have a relationship with God, that he has paid the penalty for their sin in full, and that the gospel requires nothing from them because Jesus has done it all. They simply believe what he has done, and they repent of the sin of unbelief. And even that is God's work in their life to cause that. Even that is God's grace. It's not a meritorious work they do. It is something God gives them. We have taken the Bible in a lot of cases and misapplied it, misused it in people's lives and damaged them. And we're responsible for that. A lot of leaders are responsible for that. Yes, very much so. Well, brother, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and um, I'm going to have you back. Um, I, I really like to kind of split this because uh, we have much more to discuss when it comes to spiritual oh, yeah. abuse, and we've only scratched the surface. But I, man, this has been great just talking about really definitions and really kind of fleshing out what is spiritual abuse. So um, I'm going to have you back on, and we're going to continue this conversation on our next episode. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, this has been a wonderful opportunity for us to really, uh, like I said, scratch the surface and to um, and 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 we're going to take a deep dive into this subject because as you can see from what Jeff has just shared with us, this is a very important topic that is not being addressed properly in the church and it, it really needs to be a priority. And you are probably thinking right now, oh my goodness, I have been broken by spiritual abuse and I didn't even know it. And, or you could be like this gentleman that Jeff was talking to on the internet that just thinks that we're full of baloney and that, that, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, you really need to be open to what we're talking about here. And really listen carefully, because this is backed up by Scripture. Jeff has already backed it up by Scripture in the way that he's talked about it. But not only is it backed up by Scripture, but it is backed up by our own personal experiences, which we will talk about that in in the next couple episodes. Jeff, thank you so much for coming. Um, I look forward Absolutely. to have I look forward to having you back um, next time, uh, brothers and sisters. If you have been broken, there's hope and encouragement in Jesus Christ. And our brother just shared that with us. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for the Broken Vessels podcast. (laughs) 